Uh, Luke 17 is where we're going to be. I just want to say something to you as well. Yeah, last Sunday we had 244 people at White Park Baptist Church. We had 14 people join. We had an initiative introduced. And this, that's the most people that we've had at White Park since in my tenure that, that wasn't a holiday. That's the most people we've had join since I've been here. And, and it's a, the largest contribution we've had since I've been here. And that's just a, those are things to celebrate, friends. And, uh, and yeah, you can give a round of applause for that. And so it's exciting. Uh, there's there's going to be a, an email that's sent out this week just about the, the contribution, the, the matching grant that's been given to the church. And so I just want you to, to be aware of that and to be looking out for that. If you have questions about that, we can certainly answer those for you. But today uh, we're looking at Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. I'm sorry, chapter 17, verse 11. If you would, let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your love and kindness and generosity in our life. And Lord, there's, there's many reasons uh, to be grateful for what you've done for us. And we thank you for stories like Linda, who, uh, whose life has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we, we are thankful for testimonies such as hers, and we know that she's not alone. That if we were here today, if everybody here today were to get up and, and to share just two minutes, we, would, uh, we could be here for a long time. And Lord, I, I pray that those that, that are here today that maybe don't see what you're doing in their life, uh, maybe they are unwilling to, to listen to what you have to say to them, unwilling to, to be faithful to your commands and teachings and instruction. Father, I pray that today you would help them to see the error of their way, that you would allow for them to see the beauty of having a relationship with you is all about. Father, I, uh, I recognize that I have a part in the service today. So Lord, if you would, forgive me my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name, a way to bring sinners to repentance, believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Lord, if there is someone here today that's never accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today is that day where they Admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And if that were to happen, we would give you all the honor and all the glory. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. In your name we pray, and all God's people said. The following are, are true stories of, of real people being compassionate to, to other people that they come encounter with. Two brothers went to a gas station and they discovered a widow that was buying her fuel with pennies, using just pennies to pay for her gas. They stepped in and had compassion and filled her car up with fuel. When a, a nine-year-old girl developed cancer, her, her hair fell out from the treatment that she was receiving. And, and because of that, she was afraid to, to go back to school. She was embarrassed to return to school. When she finally mustered up the courage, she found that 80 of her classmates had shaven their head as well. When a 90-year-old veteran passed away, he was, uh, he was all alone. He had no family. He never married. All of his siblings and family had passed, and 
when the mortuary, the funeral home, found out about this, they put out an announcement in the local newspaper, and over 200 people attended his funeral. Has anyone ever showed compassion to you? Has anyone ever shown mercy when you didn't deserve it? In our passage of Scripture for today, Jesus is showing mercy to 10 men who are sick. Let's look at our text, verse 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. If you look at a map, and I gave our tech team a map to put up, just if you would for me. So here is a map of, of Israel at the time of Jesus. And so Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem. If you look at Jerusalem, you can't really see. It's kind of faded, kind of blurry there. But it's at the bottom next to the, the Dead Sea here, okay? And so you have this, uh, Jerusalem's there. Galilee is kind of like the greenish yellow at the top. He's going from Galilee, which is to the north, and he's going south. Now, the Jews would oftentimes, what would they do? They didn't want to go through Samaria, so they would travel around, and they would go to Judea, Jerusalem, a longer route that's possible. And our text says that while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. So basically, he's basically the text is saying it's somewhere between Galilee and Jerusalem. Jesus is he's, he's there. We don't know exactly where he's at in this text, but that's where he's at. So just to give you a little visual, a lot of times the Jordan River would be traveled, or they would go to the to the east of the Jordan. They would come down that way. But here it says that Jesus is passing through. He's somewhere in the midst of. Some of your texts may say that's where he's at, and he's traveling. And the text says that in verse 12, as he entered a village, 10 men with a serious skin disease met him. They stood at a distance and they raised their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. The skin, that these, the skin disease that these men had was known as leprosy. Leprosy 2,000 years ago is different than leprosy that you would have today. Uh, leprosy then was a, it wasn't just necessarily one skin disease. It, was, it could be a multitude of different skin diseases. And so if they, a person had a, a serious skin disease, they were considered a leper. And they were, they were considered outcasts in their community. They had to, they had to basically uh, stay away from anybody. They were alone. And uh, they were, if, if, if you came close to one, and they would have to yell and scream at a loud voice, unclean, unclean, so that the person next to them coming to their direction wouldn't get too close. I mean, how would you like to do that? <laughs> to, to say to somebody as they get near, I'm unclean. Un it's it's got to be like humiliating, embarrassing, lonely. Something I, I learned this week that lepers would often associate with other lepers. And it was permitted for them to associate with other lepers as well. You would think that, you know, maybe, you know, that wouldn't be the case. It wouldn't be the smartest thing, but maybe isolation would be better. But they would actually be allowed to, and they, and they would actually seek it out as well. Like they wanted to be a part of a community. They wanted to be with somebody. And so they would find other men or women that had leprosy, and they would help each other to find food and shelter and security they would be near one another. They would help each other out. Uh, this group had 10 men. 
And when they saw Jesus, the text says that they stood at a distance and raised their voice and asked Jesus to have mercy on them. Let's just examine this for a second. They saw Jesus, they stood at a distance, they raised their voice, and they asked for mercy. I mean, these men were sick and desperate, and they still did everything right. They didn't get too close. They didn't violate any social norms. They acted out of respect, but they also saw Jesus as a person that could help them in their time of need. They asked him, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. They didn't say Lord, but they said, have mercy on me, Jesus. And so listen to this for a second. The word mercy here simply means to have compassion, to pity, to show favor. Were they asking for anything more? I mean, one could argue that they weren't, but the word mercy here simply means to have compassion, to pity, to show favor. Were they Were they asking for anything more? I'll say this. They call Jesus what? Master. I mean, who called Jesus master? If you look throughout the scriptures, the people that called Jesus master were his disciples. The non-disciples would call Jesus what? Teacher, rabbi. So when they saw Jesus, they knew something was different about him. Maybe they had seen him before. Maybe they had known about this man. But here they say, master. Clearly they knew something about Jesus and who he was. And listen to how Jesus responds to them. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourself to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. Why does Jesus say, go show yourself to a priest? Uh, it was the job of the priest to, de- to determine and to diagnose leprosy. Pastor Ken, aren't you glad that that's not our responsibility today? I mean, listen, y'all, I love you, but I'm not a dermatologist, right? I mean, that's not my, and I, but that was the responsibility. The priest would examine them and determine and diagnose whether they were clean or unclean. Jesus, when Jesus told them to go to the priest, were they, were they healed? Had they been healed yet? Jesus, according to the text, healed them while they were going. Jesus tells them to go, and what happens? On their way, they are healed. You think it's an accident? Uh, Last week, I I preached that God honors those who honor him. Exhibit A, 10 men ask for compassion, and Jesus tells them, go to the priest. And as they go, what happens? They are healed. Can you imagine for a minute if Jesus tells them to go, and they're like, you know what? I don't really want to today. Maybe tomorrow I'll go. It's a long walk. It's, uh, I'm tired. I don't have the energy. I've, I already saw the priest yesterday. Maybe I'll just find another time. I mean, can you imagine if they made excuses? What do you think would happen? God honors those who honor him, right? And here they are. They hear Jesus give a command and they obey. Where I think this story gets interesting is in verse 15. 
Let's look at the text. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell face down on his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? There were ten men that were sick. There were ten men that asked for mercy. Ten men who were told to go and see the priests. And there were ten men that were healed. No doubt about that. The text isn't questioning any of that. But when the Samaritan came back, what did Jesus ask? He asked, them two, he asked this Samaritan two rhetorical questions. Were not ten cleansed? The answer? Of course they were. Where are the nine? They went to the priest to get diagnosed, to be determined that they were clean. The text says that the foreigner, the non-Jew, was the one who came to Jesus with a loud voice and giving glory to God. Notice this time, though, the man doesn't stand at a distance. Rather, he's what? He's coming to Jesus with a bended knee at his feet, giving glory to God. What a response, right? What a difference from the first time. When God has done something for this man, he recognized the power of God in his life. And he returned to the source and gave glory to the one who was rightly do it. And yet, where are the Jews? I mean, who was this man? The only thing that we know about him other than he was sick was that he was a Samaritan. Samaritans were, of course, hated by the Jewish people. They were considered half-breeds, considered unfaithful. They were hated. They were unwelcomed by all Jews. And yet nine of the Jews that were with the Samaritan were nowhere to be found. What do you think that is? I mean, why do you think this guy is going back to Jesus and the nine other Jewish men went to the priest? Was it because they weren't thankful? I thought they were. I mean, can you imagine? Any of y'all been sick? I mean, when you get better, I mean, that's just like you're so thankful that you're no longer sick. So happy that that's past you. And here, I mean, I bet those nine men were just as grateful. But what did they do? They went to the priest so they could what? They could go home. Go see their family, their friends, kiss their wife, hug their kids, go back to work, return to their lives. I mean, that's not that bad, is it? But what did this man return to? He returned to his Jesus and gave glory to God. After God did something for him, he returned to his Jesus and said, glory to God. See the difference? I think there's a big difference, friends. Are you grateful for what God has done for you? 
Do you have a reason to show gratitude today? I believe that showing and observing gratitude is a spiritual discipline. Did you know that a lack of gratitude leads to sin? Romans 1, 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Why? They neither gave God glory, neither did they thank him for what he did. And it led to a darkened heart. R.C. Sproul puts it this way. If we are not grateful to God for all the blessings that he has given us, we will quickly become, we will quickly begin to feel as if we have been cheated somehow. This will blossom into covetousness as we envy others who we perceive to be more blessed than we are. And we might even go further into theft, idolatry, wherein we take things that are not rightfully ours. He says that biblical ethics have gratitude at their core. For it is always thankfulness to the Lord that is to motivate our obedience. Our obedience is motivated by our thankfulness. <laughs> is, is that something that's true of your life? When you obey the Lord, are you doing it out of a, a heart of gratitude, a, gra- a, a thankfulness? Is that is that a spiritual discipline of yours to give thanks and to, to, give, to give glory to God for what he has done for you? I don't know, friends. I, 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 I don't know if it is. Just inwardly thinking, inwardly looking this week at my own life, is that something that I do a lot? To give God glory, to, to thank God, and to, to share with others my gratitude for what God has done for me? Don't just say that you're grateful. Show it. Show your gratitude through your presence. Show your gratitude through your service, through your giving, through your worship. If you're, if you're grateful for what God has done for you, say amen. amen. If, you're, if you're grateful for what God has done for you, say Amen. If you're grateful for what God has done for you, say amen. amen. Listen, I, it's, it's the week of Thanksgiving. I mean, it, there may not be an easier time of the year to tell other people about what God has done for you, to show gratitude to your family, to your friends. I mean, is there an easier time of the year to be grateful for what God has done for you than Thanksgiving? I mean, a, a, a day where we give thanks? I mean, who is the source of the, th- the thanks that you're giving? The reason that you give thanks? Is it something that I've done for you? Is it something that your, your boss did for you? Is it something that your family? No, it's God has done this for you. God has blessed you. God has given you life. God has given you salvation. God has given you a family, a job, a home. There isn't a better opportunity, friends, for you to give thanks 
for what God has done for you than this week. When you're around your family, when you're around your friends, when you are Take the opportunity and give thanks. Verse 19 reads, And he told him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Get up. Get off your knees. Stop giving thanks at this moment. And go home. Go to the priest, be cleansed, be ceremonially made right. Go to your family, go to your home, and let them know. The thing about this, though, this you have been made well, some of your translations said you, your faith has saved you. And what, what's different about what's happening with this man, this Samaritan man, and the nine other Jews that were with him, is that he came back and he showed his gratitude. He was faithful. He was obedient. He was giving glory to God. And this, this word here has made you well. It's, it's not talking about physical. It's talking about spiritual. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you're saved. You are made right. Not only physically, but spiritually, you are made right in the eyes of God. You're saved. Your faith has made you well. A man that was ceremonially unclean, a man that was hated by the Jews, the people of God, a man that was, had every reason not to be considered clean, is now clean in the eyes of God. I mean, if there was ever a person that could say, hey, listen, I, I don't have what it takes. I've done wrong. I've I'm not worthy. It's this guy. And yet here, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is telling him, you are made well in the eyes of God. Friends, I don't know what your story is. I don't know who you are today. I don't know why you're here. I don't know. But I'll just tell you this. I mean, there isn't anybody here that's as unworthy as this guy right here. None of you. There isn't one of you that has lived a life that's worse than this guy. I mean, and yet he is made well in the eyes of God. He's saved. And if God can save this guy, he can save you. I mean, what do you, th- what do you think? That God is, has only limited powers and he can only do so much with so many people? No, of course not. God has the, the infinite power to share grace and mercy with whomever he pleases. But you know what it takes? It takes a person that's willing to say, you know what? I'm going to give glory to God. I'm going to serve and worship Him. I'm going to put my faith and trust in Him and Him alone. It takes a person with a humble heart, a willingness to see that they are sick, not just physically, but spiritually, and that Jesus Christ alone will make you well. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the scripture, friends, Romans 10, 9. That's as easy as it gets. Believe in your heart 
Confess with your mouth. That's what it takes to be a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never done that, I want to give you the opportunity. And friends, I, 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 I know that sometimes uh, in a place that's, that you're not familiar with, a place that maybe you, you don't know a whole lot of people, to put yourself in a vulnerable position is a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing for me to ask you to do. But as, as Linda shared earlier, like it's not like you're never going to regret that mistake. I mean, you're never going to regret that decision. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's not a mistake. It's, it's the best decision that you can make. And, and friends, I, I know it's challenging. I know it's hard. And I know that you would think, man, like I can't do that. There's no way. I, there is a way, friends. There's a way for you to recognize that you're sick. There's a way that you can come forward and get down on your knees and say, Lord, heal me. It's not impossible. This man did it. You can do it. This is the opportunity that God has given you to be faithful, to honor God with the decision that you make. And if you do, I trust that the Lord will honor you as well. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. Lord, help us to have a, a heart of gratitude. Help us to, to recognize what you've done for us and help us to, to share that good news with other people. Help us to put our gratitude into action. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that's never accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be that day. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we pray that you would allow us today to respond with obedience as you lead us. Jesus, we love you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.